At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. again fellow basement dwellers welcome back to another amazing installment of bandwagon nerds episode number 94 i think this is 94 yeah i missed the one last week so i'm assuming yeah it is 94 uh no robotic vagina here today but you know we can work on getting some of that you never know <laughs> where's yeah, the I'm out. studio no, audience i'm out then i'm out but we're, uh we're, we're done see y'all later what you do have is I, I I am back in the house having played Delta Roulette a week ago in lovely Las Vegas. That's right. <laughs> Throw it on the table, Ray. Uh, but I am not alone here. We got a full panel of esteemed guests. Our fearless leader, Mr. O'Dowd, is still trying to address the housing needs of the needy at the University of Massachusetts. And, and that's an ongoing thing. But we do have the greatest panel of all time again yeah. i'm gonna go with that only thing if we added my wife it would be the greatest panel but she's busy setting up her uh her what is it alexa something or other downstairs but we do have in-house the live studio audience the one and only the the podcaster of champions all of his teams win titles these days damn it the one and only pc tunny how are you doing mr tunny who wasn't supposed to be here today but then he did this great thing like i'm gonna actually like look at my schedule and realize, oh, I can be here today. How are you doing, PC? I didn't know Alexa was your code word for sex swing. Yes. You got a pro- You don't have a problem with that. Tony doesn't have a problem with any of that stuff. Just be straightforward with the people. The wife's downstairs hooking up the sex swing, making sure that bolt is secured right to the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with this house, you never know. I mean, the sex swing might bring the whole damn foundation down. But, you know, that's another story for another time. Also on the show is, of course, the one and only the Reverend, the preacher himself of all things nerd related, and the one and only Ray Cash. Ray, how are you doing, Rev? I'm good, man. It's good to have you back. You, when you mentioned the number of the episode, I'm surprised you still count last week's because I figured y'all would strike that from the record, seeing as you're a lawyer. Hell no. 
That was that was fun. I still have to finish listening to the whole thing, but that counts in my no, book. You don't. Okay. No, you don't. It counts no, don't. in it counts just, just, in my just, book. Just just move on to next week. <laughs> Patrick has been uh, somewhat quiet. I mean, whenever we do stuff, he just you know berates us for all the shit we miss. But you guys, he's given you a pretty good pass, other than taking credit for dubbing you the Reverend, which he did. We didn't we didn't necessarily attack any of his nerddoms as much as I would have liked for us to. So we got a bit of a pass. Okay. But today, oh brother. <laughs> we go we go all in on stuff today. And I had to throw it up. Uh this has been a tradition now. We've even got our own gift for it. Whenever we're in trouble and we need some extra oomph on the show, we throw up the plat signal and you know, he's he's kind of like Batman. 50% of the time he responds every time. It's the one and only Christopher Platt. He's here. Chris, what's up, man? <laughs> Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for having me back on. Again, I always have a ball. I am a little disappointed, however, because I was told there was going to be robotic vaginas here. So I was put here or brought here under false pretenses. So I'm a little I'm a little peeved about that, gentlemen. Sorry, but, man. All we got <laughs> All we got here today, Chris, is human penis. So I don't know, man. Yeah, I got one of those, man. What I need is one of them good old fashioned robotic vaginas. Who's on the who's on the pantheon list of robotic vagina? What we got? We got Rosie from the Jetsons. We got the Fembots from Austin Powers. Who am I missing here? Have you ever seen the Disney Channel movie Smart House? We got apparently we got Smart House. I have not, but we got Smart House. Who else is on the she, Pantheon? The, the, she's the she's the mom from um um Peg Bundy. Oh, Katie Seagull or Katie Siegel, yeah. brother. Is it Seagull yeah. or Siegel? It's Peg Bundy. <laughs> Wait, okay, okay, Peg Bundy. Cool, cool. <laughs> Am I missing somebody? Is there a ro- um uh nebula? Yeah, nebula might might qualify, sort of androtic sort of thing. What about does does Kim Cattrall as mannequin count, even though she was a mannequin and then became human? Probably not. Oh, that's a different kind of vagina, there, Ray. I've got number one for you. You're right. I got number one for sure. Alicia Vikander from the movie uh, with Oscar Isaac. What's the movie where she was? uh, He made the human person. Am I the only? Okay, no, no, no. I crickets. No, it's 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 a. If you've seen the movie, you'll understand. Isn't that the one where? um, Yeah. God damn it! I can't remember what the hell it's called, <laughs> but I actually think I saw it. So um, it was one of those like smaller studios did it, right? Ray, it wasn't like a huge studio that did the production. It was a smaller kind Ex-Machina. of. Yes, that's it. That's it. Yeah, there you go. That but was... it was a huge movie. Oh, yeah. And what was yes, called? sir. What was it called? Ex Machina. The whole. Oh point yeah, was yeah, I remember that. Yeah, was yeah, he yeah. created her based yeah. on the dude's porn searches? So yeah, that's number one. Okay, you know what? I, I it's hard to argue with that, but uh, I, I mean the Elizabeth Hurley fembot from Austin Powers too, though she's got to get some honorable mention, right? Can we get her some love? Put on the list, sure, I, I, definitely give her some love, Chris. There you go. Talk about <laughs> give her some love, literally. <laughs> well done. Well done. How, how do guys clean those things out? They'll the like the droid dolls and the pocket vaginas. Like I, I'm assuming you have to clean that thing out every now and again. But you, it's not like you can put pine saw in there and then stick your dick in some pine saw. Like what, how does this just, work? How does you just this power work, it down. Bro? You get R two D two, the most powerful being in the Star Wars universe. Power the droid, the things down. <laughs> And then you just sandblast it out. Yeah, number one, R2-D2. Sandblast it out. <laughs> sandblast. 
<laughs> I'm not sticking my dick anywhere post sandblast, man. We've got to figure out that you don't have some organic products we can get in there, and you know, maybe this is California <laughs> out here. You never know. What do you guys like think? Sandblasting pocket vaginas. There you go. <laughs> Patrick's can- Patrick cannot get back on here quick enough to change the titles of these episodes. They're getting. Uh, we should have vagina in every title until he comes back. There you go. And, until episode 100? Yeah, until episode 100. <laughs> the, and that'll be called The Big Vagina. So anyway, let's. Uh, why don't you guys want to talk some Marvel? Let's start off. Let's get some Marvel music going here. And uh, let's talk some Marvel. So we are into episode three of Marvel's What If, and I was kind of surprised. I got to be honest, Ray, in the uh, in the Bandwagon Nerds chat, you made the comment that this was your favorite one so far, which kind of surprised me since you and I had a unanimous five out of five on episode two, which, mm-hmm. you know, with Chadwick Boseman, the Chadwick Boseman, his actual voice. So I liked, don't get me wrong, I love episode three as well. Um, I wouldn't put it above two, but I, I loved it as well. What about this one intrigued you so much that you would actually elevate it above episode two? So before you answer, just generally, let's let the people know this episode was all about what if the Avengers got killed off before they actually formed. And that's the premise of they take a lot of little parts of, of you know, the phase one, I guess you could call it was phase one. And they just. Right as the moment comes up, the critical moment where these these characters like Thor, like Hulk, like, um, you know, I forget who, Iron Man, of course, where they all kind mm-hmm. of ascend to the next stage of their Avengerdom, they get offed and the race is on to find out, well, who's doing this? So fascinating concept. But what about this, Ray, in your opinion, put this over the top for you as compared to episode two? Well, I think when we think about episode two, a lot of that was probably... And it was a, it was a fantastic, nearly flawless episode, but a lot of that was an emotional appreciation for involving Chadwick and T'Challa's character and putting him in that. But if you look at the entire movie, entire episode, the only thing that was like <gasps> worthy, like shock worthy, was Thanos becoming like sitcom dad number five. And that's a big shock. But in this episode, literally the entire MCU as we know it from the moment it started never happened. I think that was what was what was so cool about it. Iron Man never becomes never becomes a member of the Avengers. Thor doesn't leave New Mexico, right? The Hulk is still messing with uh, it's still messing with uh, Betty Ross. Shout out to Liv Tyler, right? It's so it's it's it, it was such so it, even Barton and and the fact that um it was kind of built around. The resilience of Black Widow, which we all know is true as hell. But I think I love the swerve that uh, Hank Pym, who we know to be crazy as hell in every incarnation except for the MCU. Every other incarnation of Hank Pym is crazy as hell. MCU made him a sitcom dad, just like Thanos. Um, but that's what did it for me, man. That's what that's what absolutely did it for me. I, it just hit all it hit all the it hit all the notes. Um, it was intriguing as hell. It felt like 
that's the only one of these three episodes that felt like it could have been a full movie. This could have been a movie, right? Breaking in Captain Marvel at the end, going to try to get uh, Cap out the ice to to save the world from Loki. The way they were able to use Loki and work together to stop Hank, such a just a dope idea. And I I I I, I enjoyed this by far. I think this is the best one they've done. <laughs> so. Pulling back the curtain, everything Ray said was great. Pulling back the curtain a bit. PC Tunney is fucked with our Skype uh, view. And I'm looking at Christopher Platt and Ray. Ka- what is that, a hot tub? Is that what you guys are like hanging out in? Is a hot tub or is that a. No, we're at a dinner table. We're at a, we're at the table at the diner. Okay. That's what it is. <laughs> yes. It kind of looks like a hot tub. I'm going to say you guys are in a hot tub together because I like that visual better than whatever this is going on. But, uh, you know, Ray makes a lot of great points about this episode. I've been wanting, honestly, Ray, to do a comic spotlight on Ant-Man as part one of the two for a while. I just haven't had the time to do it. But, man, um, you've raised the point numerous times. Hank Pym is all kinds of fucked up in the Marvel Marvel comics in a big way. Yes, he's Ant-Man. Yes, he's Giant-Man. He goes, (laughs) yeah, beating the shit out of Janet Van Dyne a few places here and there. Uh, Lots of problems with Hank Pym. This kind of variation of him. Uh, showed the darker side of Hank Pym, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. And it also got Loki back, I thought, to his roots of what he Mm -hmm. really is, which is a megalomaniac. I'm going to rule the world with an iron fist. You people just want to be ruled. And you know what? I'm here to help you with your desire. You know, I loved that aspect of it. It was so good. But yeah, and at the end, you know, he does get Captain Marvel there. He does find Cap, or at least a shield in the ice, which raises the prospect of, almost an injustice kind of scenario going on in the MCU where, you know, you got something like that happening, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a really, really, really cool episode. Chris, I'm going to kick it to you before I kick it to Tony. Did you, first off, I got to add, this is obligatory. Whenever you're on the show, I got to ask, did you watch <laughs> this episode? God damn it, Dave. I do the homework now. Okay. okay. Y'all caught me slipping one time. All right. And that was enough. All you got to do is tell me one time, man. Just one thing. Okay. Okay. You were hung I, over so, too, yes. so that that's okay. I, I, I did watch this episode. Oh, before I get to that though, I, I hate to do a callback, but real quick, with all due respects to my brother Ray, I think I have found number one in the robot vagina pantheon. Okay. Y'all ready? Okay. Dave, I know you're gonna feel me. Tony, you might too. Kelly LeBrock from Weird Science. Yeah. Yeah. Is that- yeah. 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 But yeah. was she a robot? I mean, it's kind of the the mannequin scenario. She was actually brought to life, but they created her from a computer. Man, is that not robotic? Enough I'll take it. And yes, yes. Members of the jury, what they're going to let that one slide, Chris? They're going to they're going to go with I, you on that. So what? Yeah, you heard him. You heard him. Uh, so yeah, so I did watch this episode. Uh, full disclosure, I think this is the episode out of the three that I like the least. But to kind of piggyback off what Ray said, I think one of the reasons I liked it the least is because I want to see a part two. I want to see what happens from here, what type of Avengers team they're going to assemble to take down Hank Pym, you know? And Loki. Well, Hank, Hank's well, Hank got taken down. Yeah. And, yeah. and Loki. Yeah, they already got rid of Hank. I'm talking about, yeah, taking down Loki. I'm tripping. Yeah, I apologize. Yeah. Which that was hilarious as well. Like, of course, Loki would do that. You know, everybody's out the way. Of course he would because it's Loki. But yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what type of team they can assemble. See it as how all the OGs have been, we'll say, neutralized. 
neutralize is a good way to call it. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at the elimination of two, at least two, of the most powerful Avengers that there are in Thor and the Hulk. They're gone. Um, you have eliminated the resources of Tony Stark. He's gone. The stealth of uh, Natasha Romanoff and, and Hawkeye, you know. So, yeah, you've really gutted most of the power of the Avengers, but you still have the leadership cap still out there. And that probably gets you a long way in the end. And then you combine that with Captain Marvel, who can, you know, I think Ray would agree on her best day, wipe her ass with the Hulk and Thor, probably. So, you know, you do have some stuff that's that's left there. That's fair. You got Popsicle Steve Rogers. We're going to defrost him and, and see what we can get out of him. And then you have uh, Captain Marvel, who in all is basically just like an absentee father. You, you'll see her every like three months and she'll show up with some ice cream or a brownie and act like it's just all good. You know what I mean? Like I'm here now. Well, and a new that, haircut. That, <laughs> I wanted her to show up with some CM Punk ice cream bars, but that didn't happen. <laughs> so. Hey, they that really absentee. Give us ice cream bars, by the way, in, in case y'all were wondering. We really did as we were leaving the United Center get ice cream I bars. I heard that, yes. Yeah. That, that absentee father line is really heavy because when we have the Marvel's movie, Monica Rambo got some beef with with uh with uh carol for being gone so that that hit that really hits only carol we acknowledge in this household is thompson true that's my mama (laughs) there you go i was like carol thompson yes yes i was like looking up the marvel encyclopedia (laughs) (laughs) she's not in there (laughs) pc tunny live studio audience what were your thoughts on this episode of what if it's 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 funny because i agree with ray i thought it was the best episode and I think because it had the best story, to be honest with you, while it was great to see uh, or great to hear Chadwick Boseman, I should say, and while the, the the stories have both been really cool to watch, I think this one was most intriguing to me as well. Granted, it's all opinion, but my opinion uh, lines up with what Ray said. Um, I thought like the final battle between Nick Fury and the bad guy, I don't remember, the, like the first ever Ant-Man apparently or whatever, yeah. he seemed like he had Ant-Man yeah. abilities. Yeah. Hank Pym. But he was in the yellow jacket suit, important note. There, there right, you go. Right. Uh, I thought that was very comic book, the fight that they had at the end. Uh, as if you were kind of watching panels scrolling in real time, um, the way they showed it to you. So the story was great. I mean, anytime that that was definitely Sam Jackson, right? I mean, if it wasn't, it yeah. was a really good uh <laughs> it was, really it, good was it, it was definitely him. That I, was not Scarlett Johansson though. Scarlet, no. It wasn't Scarlet, it wasn't um, Downey, and it wasn't um, Brie Larson. It, but it was, it was um, Hulk as well. It was Ruffalo. It was, right? it was Ruffalo, it was Hiddleston, it was Renner, yeah. um, it was it was um, Clark Gregg, everybody else in there. I think it was even Liv Tyler. I think everybody else in there was their actual role. So the people that are technically around to do voiceovers that didn't do it, were they busy or are they the ones that are having, you know, problems with Marvel and the studios and everything else? I mean, is that what it is? Cause I, it doesn't seem that hard to actually step into a studio somewhere close to where you're filming for an hour and a half and voice a few lines. Right. I can, I can ask this real quick, Dave. Sure. I know in the case of Dave Batista last week and, and Brie Larson this week, they weren't even asked. So I don't know why they didn't ask Batista or Brie, and I don't know what the deal is with Scarlet 
but I, why won't you call Downey? I don't know what the deal is with that, but I know some of them legitimately won't even ask. I mean, when you think about the timing of it, you know, if they were able to record a whole episode with Chadwick, you know, so you're looking at sometime early part of 2020 that they probably recorded that. Um, so yeah, you would think that, I don't know what else these guys had going on. Maybe they did have prior engagements. It can't be related to the lawsuit because this all predates that unless they recorded this episode in the last two months, which seems very unlikely. So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hit and miss, but I got to say the people who are subbing in for him, I mean, if you close your eyes and don't really think about it too much, you can convince yourself that Scarlett Johansson talking, you can convince yourself that that's Dave Bautista, Robert Downey. Um, you notice that I, other, other than Black Widow, they didn't talk a whole lot. You know, Iron Man was offed. It was I thought it was pretty interesting how Hank did it too to shrink down to damn near quantum levels to be able to come into uh, you know uh, whatever they were the injection that they gave uh, Tony Stark to neutralize what was going on with him uh, or to inject something into the Hulk's heart because that was you know when the Hulk died. And the whole thing, like, a, he can't die. He can't die. Yeah, he can. And he just did. It was a disc. It yeah. got into it and threw the, um, the growing disc at his heart. And his heart just exploded. Right. Which was well, a clever as a way to, to take him out. But, I mean, it just uh, just kind of putting a bow on the the, uh, the voice actor thing. I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but Downey is done. He's done, done. And, you know, he's uh, – people forget he's an actor's actor. You know what I mean? He's one of those guys. So, I mean, he dedicated, what, 12, 13 years of his life to this role. So I think creatively, he probably just wants to move on to other stuff. Plus the money you would have had to give him to come in there for that five-minute scene, which was probably only like a day's work. It, it probably just didn't make sense, you know, financially, fiscally, if you will. Dude, they could have given me 25% of that, and I would have gone in there and faked it. I'm just saying. He well, ain't doing it, that. <laughs> he ain't doing that. It just seems to me that they would all have taken like a, a very simple amount that wasn't minuscule but wasn't ridiculous just to have this be their last thing i mean when's the next time there's going to be something for him to do really i mean as far as the movies and everything else is going this is something he could have just done i don't know maybe like they already had it written out and they knew that if you weren't going to be in it that much they weren't going to bother but it was just interesting i just thought that was an interesting point some people were there some people weren't there What's going to be like moving forward for Batista and Brie Larson? Sure. But the way Robbie Downey Jr. went out was as perfect an exit as you get. The way Scarlett ended up going out, because remember, at this point, uh, Black Widow had been finished. It's just we never got a chance to get it released again. It's the perfect way to end her story. So there could be a part of I don't want to rehash it like Platt said, because I've already ended it perfectly. Everybody else still has more to go. So. Yeah, he's an actor's actor, so I'm sure creatively he wants to move on to other things at this point in time. You know, everybody else I can't really account for or speak on, but I can understand why they weren't able to get Downey. Do you want his last words in MCU to be, I love you 3000, or, ah, I'm dead? I am Iron Man. No. No, I love you 3000, because remember, after that. Yeah, 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 because he had the projection of himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just thought that was perfect symmetry, because, you know, the way the first movie ended. That's how the, yeah, but whatever. All right. I don't feel like crying this morning. You guys just stop it right now talking about Tony yeah. Stark. So I got a couple general questions about what if, uh, and, and to direct it to all of you, but Ray will be able to appreciate this. 
what if is Ray, I, I am going to go out on a limb and it's not a very long limb and say that this is definitely Marvel's best animated work ever. I would say at this point, you know, nothing that they other than Easy. into the spider verse is great. Yes, absolutely. But on a consistent basis, you know, when you compare to what DC does on a regular basis with their animation, which is, you know, I, I haven't even seen the long Halloween. I want to. That's on my list of things to watch. Fantastic. And Injustice Fantastic. is cut. Co- we know Injustice is coming up. Uh, that's going to be yeah. great. But, you know, it, it, I- do you hold on a sec. Here's just a minute. Um, do you see what if as kind of like a turning point for Marvel in the animated world is something that maybe gets them on track where they can, you know, and it's funny to say where they can actually compete with DC because it's the inverse of the live action stuff. But do you see that, that kind of that what if is kind of something that they can build off of build off of? Yes, because it shows them that animation can get the same critical acclaim, the, the same notice and the same interest that their live action can do. But there's no competition because what DC is doing with their animated series and movies and what uh, the MCU is doing aren't on the same plane because what if falls within the canon of the MCU. The long Halloween ain't got nothing to do with anything they're doing on the movies. They're just literally doing stories for the for the purpose of doing stories. And they're fantastic stories. But they're just doing them just because they, they – they had a Batman Soul of the Dragon where they're back at Batman's in the 70s with Bronze Tiger and Lady Shiva. They had Gotham by Gaslight where he's where Batman's in Gotham in uh Gotham, which is in England, trying to take down Jack the Ripper. Like none of this shit is canon. They just do what they want. Well, I mean, it's you it's know canon saying? within DC. I mean, they're taking really beloved DC stories and animating them. I mean, but there's but no con- there's the no animated continuity. universe. Yeah, there's no continuity. It's not connected. Right. They're not connected with the t- with the movie universe. Right. What if is doing the same thing? They're taking moments and they're flipping them and making them completely separate. But it's canon with the MCU because they're taking a moment in the MCU and flipping it. Nothing in the animated realm is connected in any way. And or former fashion to anything they're doing in the movie world, even if it was a multiverse situation, they're just not even connected in any way. Gotcha. Chris, you were going to say something and I didn't mean to cut you off there, bud. No, it's all good, man. And hell, you got to do that to me from time to time. But um, are we not counting X-Men, the, no. the X-Men <laughs> series, as well as the Spider-Man series that came out in the, the mid 90s because technically they're Fox properties? Are we not counting those? Well, in, in the canon, because I mean, if we are, I feel like those are the two best uh, animated renditions of Marvel that they've had thus far. But if we're not counting those, then you got to go with what it I, I mean, you could count them. I, I, I think it's kind of a different sort of medium, even though there's they're animated, you know, and, and that sort of thing. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, those were excellent shows. I, I still wouldn't even put them on the same level as what DC has been doing for almost 15 years now uh but they were great shows in their own right yeah i i don't i don't count them even though they are fantastic and they kind of wrote the scenery to our childhood because there's almost a, a pre-mcu and a post-mcu when it comes to comic book properties right and so like anything pre-2008 is a whole different world you know what i mean it's almost like the age of uh black and white television and the age of color tv not the same you can't compare the two in in good faith um also um with respect to what marvel what um x-men and what spider-man were able to do from an animation standpoint they can't they can't touch what if maybe from a story standpoint sure but we got how many episodes how many seasons of 
Spider-Man and how many seasons of X-Men to put up against three episodes of What If? And the comparison is already apt. So it's, it's just a different world. The animation is just way different. And DC will tell you that. Because I think with respect to X-Men, and w- which got me into comics in the first place, and with respect to Spider-Man, the best animated series of all time, in my opinion, is Bats, Batman the Animated Series. And nothing that and that series did compares to what they're doing now or what they have done the past 10 years in their continuity of their DC extended animated universe, whatever they call it. So I just don't think it's fair to compare them given the time. You know, it's just a different world now. Two words for you guys. Super friends. That's it. That's the greatest animated <laughs> series of all time. Now just stop, you know, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, what the other thing I wanted to ask you guys is that could what if be the means by which they introduce like something like the X-Men or the fantastic four, because you're talking a multiverse in a way that they could actually like throw something like that in there or dangle a carrot or something like that in there. What, what do you guys, do you think they would actually do that? Ray, Chris, PC, or are they really just saving? Are they just saving that for live action? Because I think they're probably saving that, but I wouldn't be completely surprised because, like, like Ray, you're saying this is canon, but it's not that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. could they decide to say we're going to introduce mutants here, and and then we'll catch up with that in live action later on? Well. I think the interesting thing is deciding whether or not they want to make this universe they're creating right now into a longer lasting thing. Right. I mean, it could have started like this where we're just giving you random things. What if, right. But how about after it's over, they're like, well, this was so great. Now we have a whole nother, we have a whole whole other canvas to work on. That's completely separate and it's not live action and it's whatever we want it to be. And they could keep pulling as as time goes on so this could actually turn into like seasons of what if if they decided to keep it going and and make their own canon if you will well i mean you you y'all know how they're going to introduce the fantastic four reed richards is going to end up buying the what was formerly the avengers tower or the compound or whatever the fuck you want to call it and turn it into um what's what's it called thank you man the baxter building thank you that that's how they're going to introduce the fantastic four which I think you should probably let that lie because they've tried this so many times and it hasn't worked, but obviously they're not. And if anybody can get it right, I I have faith in the MCU that they're going to be able to get it right. Plus, frankly, the Fantastic Four probably have some of the most compelling villains in all of Marvel that you can play on and and introduce into the the, the sandbox. The most compelling villains in all of Marvel, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Villain. That, well, okay, two. Galactus. There's two. Okay, Doom yeah. and Galactus. Okay. Sure, sure. But I mean, we're not talking about mm-hmm. uh, the fucking Mole Man or whatever it is, no. right? So, um, no. to answer the question real fast, um, I think it honestly would be a cop out because uh, it, it would feel disingenuous to me to to see them don't put a big part of the a big part of the excitement about mutants or about Fantastic Four is who's going to play them. You know, you search all over the internet and it's, it's oh, well, who's going to play Reed Richards? Is it John Krasinski? Is it this person? Is it that person? Who's going to be the new Wolverine? Is it Tom Hardy? Is going to be another person? Is it even going to be Logan? Is it going to be his daughter? What are we doing? That's so much of the big thing. So for them to throw that away on a cartoon, 
just feels a little disingenuous. And I don't think they want anything what if to actually matter. I don't think anything that's that's built on this show is supposed to actually matter long term. It's just supposed to be kind of Uatu even says it that, you know, this this could be what if this this changes everything only in this world. I don't think this is Earth 616 or whatever you call it. Yeah, I, I did like the uh, and I don't know, has 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 a Watu in the background been as prominent in the first two episodes as he was here? Because I didn't really. Mm-hmm. OK, maybe I just didn't notice it. But yeah, he was all up. You could you could see him everywhere in this thing. So anyway, man, I, I don't want to I don't want to spend. We've uh, you know, we need to move on. Uh, what if great episode, another great series. We'll see what happens. You, you got any ideas what's coming up next week, Ray? Um, could it be the episode where we see what happens? The episode we have Avengers, but it's like the Guardians. Okay. When is the uh? When is the Killmonger episode coming on where he saves Tony from? Yeah. We got we got we got uh, zombies too, right? There is a Marvel Zombies episode. Yes. Uh, what if episode four? No, it's Doctor Strange. Oh, is it? Okay. That right. that's that's actually a great segue, isn't it? Well, almost. We're we're gonna get to that in the after okay. the after the break. Okay. Uh, well, oh, I see your journalism. Look at him. Hashtag journalism, baby. Uh, before we get into that though, uh, and venture into the trailer park to talk about the biggest trailer, possibly. Well, yeah, probably the biggest trailer of the year. Uh, we're gonna let's talk about the other show that we are covering, which is episode four of This Is Pop. And guys, I got to be really honest with you. This is what? Episode five. What? This is episode is, five? Is it? I thought this was four. Is it? Five. Yeah. Five. Is it five? Warsman, auto-tune. Um, we had the Scottish, uh, the Stockholm. Stockholm Syndrome, and we had the country episode. This all is right. episode five. You're right. You're right. Thank you, Ray. But uh, all that aside, I'm going to be really honest with you guys. I was not the least bit upset that I missed the country is pop episode <laughs> at all. Not one bit. I watched it fine, great, whatever, you know, Shania still looks good, all that kind of fun stuff. Great. Um, but I don't really give a shit about country or how they try to popify it. So no offense to anybody out there who loves country. Some of it I like, most of it I don't. This episode, I will also be honest with you guys, by far and away my favorite episode because Blur and Oasis are in my wheelhouse. So, I mean, these are, these are the bands that I really like. Uh, and I, you know, they, these are two bands that I didn't, I won't say I grew up with them cause I was already an adult, but I mean, I really like blur. I really like Oasis. Uh, this to me was a fan fascinating episode because, you know, <laughs> I, th- I found one of the things that they said that really just kind of, I felt bad for these guys, you know, blur goes on their first tour. They land in America and they start their tour on the same day that Nirvana's nevermind drops. So you're starting your tour on the same day that possibly the most iconic album of all time, and that's not hyperbole, is released. And it just completely guts your musical style. Hey, we got this musical style, and oh shit, what is this? You know, and yeah, smells like teen spirit up your ass, guys. That's your tour is <laughs> over before it starts. Um, so that's the title. That's the title. Smells like teen spirit up your ass. That's the title. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's that's a Tony write that down. That's one of the nominations. Um, but it's and and they they adjusted, you know, blur adjusted to this thing. But, you know, the whole British Brit, Brit pop thing, notwithstanding what I found most intriguing about the episode is that 
a, a, a feud between two bands could be so based on political subdivisions and, and, and just kind of like cultural subdivisions between Northern England and Southern England and how that all played out. I found that to be very fascinating. I, I have really trying to scratch my head to think about another type of rivalry. I mean, yeah, you had the Beatles and the Stones that they talked about on the episode, but um, two bands that don't like each other, that's for sure, probably still don't like each other. I thought like Ray like was saying this is going to be about the Gallagher brothers feuding. It had really nothing. They didn't even mention that, Ray. So it was all about Blur versus Oasis and really the boys from London, you know, the Brit pop guys versus the boys from Manchester who really wanted nothing to do with the British pop thing. And we're all mm-hmm. about rock and roll. And here you go. So I'll turn it over to you guys. I really enjoyed this episode because I mean, it's, it's interesting to me. Like, you know, they did a big focus on Wonderwall, which I don't even think. And nobody I know thinks that that's the best song on morning glory. Everybody who I know says champagne supernova is the song that got them into Oasis. But, you know, you've got all that. And then, of course, song two comes years later and, and reinvigorates Blur. But what did you guys think of this episode? And just kind of the the this one was a little bit deeper than some of the other ones, I thought. See, I disagree, man. I wasn't really a big fan of this episode. Um, I do love Oasis Blur. I'm yeah, I, I'm not as versed with Blur as I am with Oasis. Uh, the political stuff that you talked about, Dave, I thought that was kind of shoehorn end. To kind of make it contemporary because everything nowadays is so politicized. So I felt like that was kind of shoehorned in. I would have appreciated if would have dove a little bit more into the the beef with the Gallagher brothers and Oasis because I I'm, I'm more interested than that than anything they talked about here. And then you you talk about you know British popular music in the '90s. There's no Spice Girls. And then you teased us in the be at the very beginning of the episode talking about how grunge was blowing up over here in America. Frankly. I wish the episode would have been more about that because that that's just personally, just on a personal level, that was more in my wheelhouse. I would have loved to hear more about that, you know? So um, out of the four, excuse me, the five episodes that we've had, I got to say this was probably my least favorite, even though I love these British guys that have made all this money in, in, in popular music and they show up in Adidas sweatsuits and sneakers and stuff like that. Like that's just, that that's cool to me. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that's just from, you know, an aesthetic standpoint on the Russell Simmons side of the game, I guess. But yeah, all in all, man, out of the five, I think this might've been my least favorite episode. It was just, I found myself picking up my phone at this point in time and just like perusing Twitter and stuff like that. As I was watching the episode when, you know, that's never a good, good sign. You like the country episode better than this, Chris? I like the country episode better than this, Dave. My my image is <laughs> just blown. Anyway, <laughs> anybody, uh, Tunny, would you like to comment next? So they either missed the boat here and not making this a topic, or making this topic more about this, considering the time frame they were covering there, like the early '90s, or someone needs to do a documentary on this because 1991 was possibly the greatest year ever for rock album releases. Would you like to hear the list? Sure. Never mind, never mind from Nirvana, 10 from Pearl Jam, Blood Sugar Sex Magic from Red Hot Chili Peppers, Out of Time from REM, Action Baby from U2, uh, what else we got here? Bad Motor Finger from Soundgarden, Gish from the Smashing Pumpkins. Hold on, I'm not, not done. Metallica's Black Album. Yeah, that's what I was waiting for. 
innuendo from Kareen. We can't dance from Genesis. I mean, Van Morrison and Rush have releases. What else we got? Hold on. Ozzy Osbourne, No More Tears. Guns and Roses, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. Uh, gentlemen, I think uh, Temple of the Dog, Temple of the Dog. <laughs> Come hey, on now. now and, and if you want to throw in, like, hold on. And I can also throw in there just for, you know, uh, if you're not told thing like the mix between rock and hip hop, the low end theory from, uh, from a tribe called Quests also came out that year. What I was going to say is, did you realize that a lot of those records that you just named, Tony, were all released within 60 days of each other? Yes. August and September. It's remarkable when you think, and I mean, that would be a great topic. The problem is, you know, all that stuff that you listed, there's not a lot about it that's air quoting poppy. Uh, there, That's really, you know, the birth of grunge, the ascension of Metallica from you know, kind of like, hey, yeah, we love Van Justice for All, and they're kind of a guilty pleasure. Uh, and some of the radios had the balls to play him going into, oh, shit, these guys are here, and this is what's happening. But, um, yeah, I, I see your point. It's, um, I mean, I guess I get why they did this episode. But, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I liked it the best because I was fascinated with some of what was talked about, and I love the bands. But, yeah, I could see where this almost feels like out of place with everything else that was going on in 1991. So you raise a good point, Ray. You got any thoughts on this episode? Are you, are you like Chris and hated it, or what did you think of it? I didn't hate it. I enjoyed it. I I didn't. Uh, I I did lose. There were points in the episode where I kind of lost. Uh, I kind of lost. Um, focus. You know, like focus a, a little like bit. Like you're doing now. So. <laughs> well, yeah, because you know, every time I talk, everybody wants to distract me today for some reason. Um, but uh, to Tony's point. You could, I think there's an episode there for to talk about Nirvana, Soundgarden, and Pearl Jam all with respect to Alice in Chains, but they didn't release the album in 91, I don't think. But all those albums releasing in the same year and how Seattle changed the sound of music, not just rock, but music in general. Then there's a story, there's a story there because as we've learned watching these five episodes, pop isn't necessarily what well, pop nowadays is a genre in its own right, but it's, it's, ascending from the ranks of what you've been beholden to and moving forward. And I think that was what was cool about this episode because nobody in their right mind would say Oasis is, is pop. Nobody would. But because they fell into a time in which that was kind of the thing going, and really was like two bands, maybe three, um, they kind of just fell into that world. I do think that the show was, the show was a little bit off base, though, because Platt mentioned it. The biggest British band of the 90s was neither one of them. It was the Spice Girls. And they're one of the biggest pop bands, pop acts in history. So to say hell Britpop, and I know that was a thing for three, four years, but like, and then at the beginning, I think you said there hadn't been a major British band hit the pop chart since the Stones or something. Like, that's not true, is it? I don't believe that. Since the Stones? Um, so there's no... British bands in the eighties and the in the, in no, the, the late seventies and the eighties. Genesis, that, the you got Genesis. Yeah. You got the Who. Uh, fucking uh, the Who. U two. U two's Irish, but I don't uh, know. But it's British. Well, Ireland is uh, uh, United well, Kingdom. Platt, Platt, United don't Kingdom. don't piss a whole fucking country off with this. Ireland, right. Britain, it's Ireland all the same is not thing. Part of it. Yeah, yeah, they'll get really bad. Uh, Sex Pistols. Yeah, weren't yeah, they the seventies? Yeah, that's seventies. 
Yeah, but still, like, to to just stop from the stones. The clash. The clash. Yeah, to stop from the stones to go the police. Yeah, the police I would oh, put in there. Sex Pistols and Clash are more David Bowie. Yeah, and so to stop at to stop from the stones to to blur is just like wow. That's we really gonna ignore twenty years. I felt that was weird. Yes, they are I, gonna I, ignore twenty years, Ray. Apparently, I, I apologize, man. Y'all know how I am, though. But I, I still I apologize. I'm not trying to step on everybody. But the reason that I would like them to or would have liked them to kind of dive more into the the grunge, there's there's a parallel. I feel like grunge and hip hop, they're cousins or maybe even brothers. And this mm-hmm. is another reason why I fuck with punk rock as well. I, I would love that episode too. All of that music converging in the 70s when hip hop was coming up, punk rock, disco was kind of fading, and then kind of tie that in with the art scene that was happening around that time as well. I feel like they they need to that that would be an interesting episode. But you know, grunge and hip hop, they're they're really cousins because similar to how, you know, the 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 grunge movement they were the sons and daughters of the hippies from the 60s similar to how in hip-hop when it first emerged they were the sons and daughters of the 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 people in the civil rights movement and it's funny because both of those entities the hip-hop people there's their parents ended up becoming the respectability politics of the 80s and 90s and then the hippies ended up becoming the yuppies of the eighties, you know what I mean? And it was like uh it was an a counterculture and they were rebelling against the the values. They feel as if their parents sold them out and sold out, which they did for trying to get their slice of the American dream. And they, and that's where that music came from. That's where that anger and that angst, that's where it came from. It fed off of that. And the irony is in um, you know, the 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 uh crash in two thousand eight, everything that the yuppies and the respectability politics people that worked for it all got wiped away, which was ironic to me. And, you know, there, there, there's something to be said there. I'm not really saying it as well as I could, but it's something I've thought about a lot. But, yeah, I, I, I wish they would have dove more into the to the grunge movement with all due respects to the, the British pop bands because they made a hell of a lot of money. But I, I thought that that was a more interesting story. Well, I think I, I will. I think a lot of us I'm sorry. Are probably. I'm sorry, Ray. I, I'd say in. A lot of us probably would rather have seen a documentary or mini documentary on the rise of grunge and where that kind of just, you know, I don't think grunge disappeared per se as it just kind of morphed into other things. I did like at at the end where the guy from Blur was talking about if I never hear a fucking trumpet again, uh, it'll be because, you know, ska kind of took over for a few years there and then went by the wayside. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, Ray, you were going to say something. I I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no, forgive me. White people's reggae. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, so, so three eleven is a reggae band. Mighty Mighty no. Boston's are not a reggae band, but <laughs> um no, the last thing I want to kind of touch on is that, that have that you time, ever had to knock on wood? That that time period, uh with uh with what we're talking about in the early nineties and whatnot. Until recently, when we talk about kind of um, you know, with the rise in acceptance of, of the LGBT community and women kind of grabbing their rights and their whatever, whatever you want to call it, right? Till these these few years, that was the last real cultural revolution was the 90s. Because while, you know, grunge musically changed it and hip hop was changing too simultaneously, 
it was reflective of kind of the world in general. Everybody was changing. And I think that's the last real world change until the past five years or so we've had. Don't you think? Do you the think 90s. the go ahead, Sonny. Do you think the growth and explosion of technology from like starting in the late nineties all the way until where we are right now, including the advancement of the cell phone, kind of stopped culture from changing? I mean, or That's breaking out, bursting out into new points and That's kind of limits point. your your creativity and your ability to think and imagine new things. Fantastic Honestly, I, I think the powers that be saw what was happening in the 90s, because I will argue to my death that the 90s were the closest that we've ever gotten as a society to racial harmony. You know, what I mean, you had I mean, in the 90s, you had white kids walking around with Malcolm X medallions and shit like that. And everybody was listening to grunge. Everybody was listening to hip hop and this and that. We're coming off the 80s where, you know, Bill Cosby, Michael Jackson, Prince. Uh, fucking uh, Eddie Murphy, they were like the biggest stars in the world, and I feel like that was the closest we had ever gotten to the utopia that we claim to be. You know what I mean? Yeah, I uh, I mean, that it's a loaded question when you're going to ask why. <laughs> I mean, this kind of ties into a lot of what people from my era and my generation say about music nowadays, which is that it's just not very good. There's not a lot of creativity. There's not a lot of heart or soul behind anything that's coming out, unless it's a band like the Foo Fighters or somebody like that who's still making records. Um, but, you know, the modern bands, you just, and I don't know if it's because they're too reliant on technology. It's been made too easy for them to make music. There's not as much, let's just be frank, musicianship as there was in the 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s. Um, I think that has a big part of it. But that's a whole, I mean, we could spend hours talking about the degradation yeah, that, of the musical industry is from a creativity standpoint, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't think well, we've got enough how, time for that. How do you feel about newer bands like Arcade Fire and Vampire Weekend and people like them? Cause I think a lot of, I think they're as close as we get nowadays to musicianship of old, as you would think. Yeah, they're, they're fine <laughs> to use Patrick O'Dowd's <laughs> lingo. Okay. Yeah, they're fine. They're, you know, there's, they're better than a lot of the the middle of the pack you know i'd put them above that i would not certainly put them in the category of say an oasis or a blur to kind of bring this full circle they're they're fine they're good bands they put out better music than a lot of the shit that's out there but yeah what well, if you're going to compare them you can't compare them to a band like oasis or even to blur or certainly not to nirvana certainly not pearl jam or soundgarden or any of that stuff that was coming out in the 90s because they just yeah i I will go back. They don't have the musicianship of those bands. You know, they're not going to be confused with Rush any time of the day, night, or parallel universe that you want to get into that. I mean, they're they're fine. Well, they weren't they weren't high enough. Well, that I, too, I actually, they may be higher than than they, they ahead, may be Chris. too high, Ray. You never know. Yeah, no, I actually like Vampire Weekend, but I mean, the problem is in the music industry, man. The the gatekeepers have figured out how to turn a profit. And at this point in time, man, it's it's an algorithm. You know what I mean? They're not even thinking about mu musicianship or artistic value or merit or anything like that. It's just all about making money. So it's like, okay, if we bring out this sound and somebody that looks like this, we're going to make money. Like there's like A&R doesn't even exist anymore. There's no more there's no more artist development. You know, back in the day, they'd sign somebody and then they would tell them, OK, yeah, we're going to develop your sound. We're going to take you through media training so you get polished. And then by your third album, that's when you're going to blow up. 
Well, that world doesn't exist anymore, man. All of this shit is microwavable and people are disposable at this point in time. They don't even have bands anymore. No. Everybody's a solo artist. There's not even a band, and a concept of a band anymore, unless it's manufactured again yeah. from by the gatekeepers, you know? And to tie into your point, Chris, in this episode of This Is Pop, they even said, if your first signal single doesn't make it, you're done. You know, they even said that in this episode, and that is very true nowadays. It is all about immediate gratification with the modern society. You don't have three albums to cut that first mega hit. If you don't do it in that first album or your first single, maybe your second, you're done. And shout out to my dude from the blur at the very the very last line in the in the whole documentary. He said, Fuck it. I went to go make cheese. Yeah. <laughs> well they introduced him at the beginning yeah. as a cheese farmer. Yeah. My my only disagreement with you, Platt, is that I think technology killed ARs, not the other way around. Because nowadays, especially definitely more so in hip hop and pop and the, the the music that you don't have to actually have play instruments to make it, because they cause the middleman. Nowadays, a lot of these artists are so hot from their own music off of SoundCloud or YouTube or whatever down here in the South, out they trunk, that by the time they get by the time a record, a record label wants to get to them, they already are super popular and super rich. You know what I'm saying? Some Thug sold a million albums, and I know this is way different than what we're talking about, but sold a million albums out the back of his trunk before any any company ever reached out to him to to mass produce them. So like, I feel like technology has changed the way music is 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 not only listened to or perceived, but how it's marketed too, because why would I pay? Why would I pay an A and R to do this when these kids are already more popular than we can make them? I know that does may not fall in the same way as it does with rock music per se, but well, I think that's important to note. Yeah, I think we've gone kind of a little bit off a, a tributary on the stream that we were going down in this conversation. But it's a really good conversation, and, and I wish we had more time to talk about the music industry and it, we don't uh, want to talk about spider-man no nah, no nah, we don't hey, you that. bite your goddamn tongue you bite <laughs> your goddamn tongue there will the be no spider-man slander on these the airwaves evolution sir. of the music industry but you know what i think that's as good a place as any to take our first commercial break we've got the voice of the chair shot radio and pc T- we got the whole gamut <laughs> of people here who can run commercials for us so i'm gonna just kick it over to the people that count and, and let them lead us into this thing this I swear to God, this is the only reason y'all ever have me on any of your shows because y'all yes. don't like doing this shit. Do you not want to do <laughs> yeah. it? I'll do it. I got you. Somebody you needs to do it. Con- if you appreciate the content we provide day in and day out here at the Chair Shot, the best way to make sure that we keep providing that content you love day in and day out here at the Chair Shot is by going to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the Chair Shot and picking up an official Chair Shot T-shirt. We literally have something for everyone. You're going to love yourself. We still got some summer left. We still got some good weather, especially depending on where you're at. And you need to make yourself, as the commissioner says, more aesthetically pleasing. Plus, you'll be supporting your movement of your favorite website for news, reviews, opinion, and analysis with attitude because you're smarter than the average fan. We know that. So, again, ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Pick up an official chair shot t-shirt, please, and thank you, thank you, and please. And, again, you are supporting the movement because, remember, thechairshot.com. We are not just a website. Very nice. Promotional consideration paid for by the following hey folks pc tony here thanks to our new partnership with angry lemonade you can save 10 percent on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code chairshot head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services 
Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. I was going to compliment Christopher Platt on breaking out the English accent, and then Kenny came on and put him to shame. But, you know, a real English Yeah, man. man. Come on, Tony. How you going to play me like that, man? <laughs> I was going to say we could do the rest of the episode and use all English accents, but I don't know if Mr. O'Dowd would approve of such transgressions against the crown. So we shall well, revert. He ain't, huh? he ain't here now, is he, Dave? That's true. This is true. But uh, we will we will uh, abstain from any offense. You know, Chris already trampled on the divides between Britain and Ireland on this episode, so fuck it. You know? <laughs> hey, man, if I don't offend somebody every show I'm on, man, I feel like I'm not doing my job properly. That's true. That's true. Oh boy, we're yeah. gonna. Oh boy, <laughs> yeah. Hey, Platt Whisperer, you're not doing your job over there. So let's. I'm I'm tired, bro. I could I can tell I can tell. So um, through the magic of post production, we're gonna get some violins in this bitch because we are about to hit to the trailer park. Wee. <laughs> I like Ray's breaking out the bass on that. So um, we got one trailer to talk about this week, but boy, is it a mega trailer. We got the trailer, the teaser for Spider-Man No Way Home this week. And oh, my fellas, is there a lot to unpack in this trailer or is there a lot to unpack in this trailer? Two and a half minutes of holy shit. <laughs> basically going on uh to steal from pro wrestling fans everywhere yeah there, there there was at least a few holy shit moments during this trailer uh, i'm gonna kick it over to you guys to lead the discussion on this thing and then we'll just kind of tie in from there because yeah a lot to unpack is kind of an understatement go ahead fellas what did you see anything in this trailer that remotely interested you i'm just you know just curious uh I'll- a lot of the women I've been with have said the same thing. A lot to unpack and, and the best two and a half minutes you've ever had. Um, but as far as the movie goes, Stop. wow, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist putting those two together. I couldn't resist. Robotic uh, vagina. And to be honest, I've never heard it. I've never heard any complaints, to be honest. Two and a half minutes is a little short. But anyway, the, the, the trailer was really, really good. Uh, I The interaction between... Between Doctor Strange and Spider-Man, seems like it's going to be one of the best parts of the movies. Um, fucking with things we're not supposed to, apparently. I, I'm, it, you're excited. Feel these nipples. <laughs> there could be another title for this episode, uh, uh, Mr. Platt. What were your thoughts about this batshit crazy? We're all over the place kind of trailer going on here. So, full disclosure, I don't remember if I've ever revealed this on air. And I, I think that's kind of... Uh-oh, here we go. You know, the, 
stopped with the I kind of because I, I feel like uh, Mr. Uh, Patrick O'Dowd, him and I, we're on a similar, you know, wavelength with this one. Spider Man's my guy. Out of all the comic book characters, Spider Man, that's my guy. That's my favorite. I, I thought Spider Man. I thought you were gonna say you were both born with three nipples. Carry on. No, no, no. I just got the two, and they look weird, but whatever. <laughs> but that was my guy. So yeah, this trailer was absolutely fantastic. I, I love the 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 reveal at the end with you know Alfred Molina as Doc Ock because I absolutely positively loved Alfred Molina as Doc Ock. I love William Defoe as Green Goblin. Granted, we don't know if it's William Defoe as Green Goblin or James Franco. I know people were talking about the 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 thunder and the lightning might be Jimmy Fox's Electro. I'm excited to see Tobey Maguire. He's always going to be my Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield. Yeah. All right. Whatever. But let me. I, I got to ask you guys something, man. I have a, a question in regards to the timeline. So Far From Home came out right after everybody came back. So what are we talking about here? Are we talking a week, a day or two? What what what, what are we talking about here? Well, it's after Mysterio out Spider-Man to the world, so we know that. No, um, no, 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 no. I'm talking. No, no, no. Let's I'm, I'm let's rewind it a little bit. I'm talking about Far From Home, not not Home or whatever the fuck the new well, one is called. I'm no, talking, no. Far, talking about number two. Yeah. So yeah, Far From Home. At the end of that is when Mysterio drops the bomb that Peter Spider. No, I. No, I get I, that. I, I get what you're asking. I get what you're okay, asking. Okay, okay. They finished the school year and they were in the summer right. and all that happened in the summer. So whenever time that the uh, the blip happened when they came back. Whatever timeline it was, think about it that next summer. That's when Far From Home happened. So, okay, so we're, okay. Okay, so, because I'm, I'm trying to make it make sense in my mind because Dr. Strange is living in an ice house. And I'm trying to make it make sense, like, okay, I know that house because he got blipped too. So that house has been vacant for five years. So well, I'm trying to make it make sense to me. Well, it wasn't vacant because Wong was still there. Wong didn't get blipped. Did he not? No, Wong didn't get blipped. Well, number one, this? I feel like they've... I would, they would have mentioned it. No, we know it because when they were releasing the uh, the the uh, Russos told us when they were releasing all the people who were still around, they said okay. Wong was still there because Wong took Wong protected all three of the sanctums. But that also, always dip when shit go down, man. Like my favorite fuck, guy in the MCU. Yeah, <laughs> nobody listened to him. Nobody ever listened to shit he says. And he's like, all right, well you are your own. Um, also, don't let the ice fool you for anything because they probably told a spell that fucked up. And cause that. So, but that's what I want to say. Go ahead, though. No, no, no. Go ahead, and get in here, man. Let's get your thoughts, man. Because yeah, we're gonna be talking about this for a little bit. Well, to be fair, I didn't see it. You're okay, lying. so you are lying. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody seen the trailer, it's me. You're the one um, who posted about it first. Oh, well, actually, we were watching it at the same time. This is a true story. We were watching it at the same time, but we just didn't know it. Go ahead, Ray. We were. Literally, he was texting me holy shit as I was texting him holy shit. So, um, I mean, no, it's a lot to unpack. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into it here. I don't want to blow my load. It's ah, a lot to unpack, too, time. man. Um, There's but, no uh, robotic vagina, Ray. You'll be just fine, okay? It's just us. Well, I appreciate that. Yes, I, um, I am very handsome, but please don't waste your load on me. I mean, well, there's, three, there's, there's three guys on the call. How you know it's you? Because I have mirrors. <laughs> no shade. I'm just talking shit, man. Don't pay me no attention. The confidence notwithstanding. Um, no, it's I was so the the creation of what seems to be the Sinister Six. You mentioned already Molina's Doc Ock, Defoe's uh Green Goblin, 
um, Fox is Electro. There's the cloud of dust, which they think is uh, Hayden Sand. Church's uh, Sandman. And there's a point when he's looking in the mirror that something scratches at him and grabs him. They think then it's I'm, the lizard. Oh, the lizard. Okay, okay. So, you know, so it's interesting to note you got that vult- it's, vultures it's, it's, out there. So vultures still out. Yes. Well, vultures in, in, in the joint right now. So do you think that the lizard, because I've heard that the, the dude that plays, I, I can never pronounce his name properly, but the dude that plays the teacher, the stumbling, bumbling teacher, that's going to end up being the lizard. Do you think that's where we're going? No, it's going to be from Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield's oh, first yeah, person yeah, yeah, was, yeah, the yeah. Yeah, was the lizard. Touche. Yeah. Okay. Touche. I apologize. Um, no, no, you're good. It's a fair question because, you know, there was rumors that uh, Ned, uh, who played Ned Leeds, what I can't remember, Jacob Batalon, he lost all the weight. Now he's like, looks really good. And people thought it's because Ned Leeds in, in one of these weird Marvel worlds is the new Hobgoblin. They thought he may be turning cricket. There's a whole bunch of different things, but now we know they're going, we knew there was rumor of multiverse, but now we see that the reason they go multiverse is because Doctor Strange decides to let a child tell him, hey, you should change the world because they know who I am. And that's, <laughs> it's, it's, so it's, he, it's, he's going to pick up where Tony Stark left off as the mentor to Spider-Man, which makes sense exactly because, I, I mean, Doc, Doctor Strange and Tony are literally the same person. That's why they butt, butted heads when they met, you know? 100%. And I thought it was cool to see the rhetoric between them when he first got there because the first thought he had was, Man, I, I, I wish they didn't know. So let me go holler at my homie, Dr. Strange, because, you know, I know him. I know where Bleecker Street is, whatnot. And the first thing he says is, you don't got to call me sir. We saved the world together. Like, we good. So it's cool to note that even Dr. Strange treat, considers him an equal, right? Otherwise, he wouldn't have told him that. And he wouldn't have went straight. Even Wong knew what Strange was about to do, because Strange <laughs> always does bullshit, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. So that's interesting to note. Uh, but also... Am I am I going to this too early, Dave? Go into it, man. What are we? I, I, this is wide open. I mean, I, all I'm going to say before I kick it back to you is that I agree with you guys completely that I think Doctor Strange kind of steps into the Tony Stark role for Peter because Peter needs a mentor, and you can see mm-hmm. that that's going to happen. Now, the one thing I, I was going to say before I kick it back to you is is the difference between I don't even know if it's a difference. Stephen Strange has every bit as big of an ego as Tony Stark did. It yes. got checked a little bit because of his accident, but now it's almost like where he tells Peter, we know frightening, frighteningly little about the multiverse, and yet he's going to go and cast a spell to actively create the multiverse. So it, that's the fascinating part to me is like, okay, how did you go from knowing and Wong telling him, this is a bad fucking idea, man, and, and, and he goes and does it anyway. So with that being said, I will kick it back to you guys. But does he know some shit? Like, does he know some shit? Because he can, you know, he, you know, I like think, he did in uh, Infinity War. Like, dude, I he, think, he can see the future. So does he know some shit? And that's why he was able, or Peter rather, was able to talk him into doing this because he knows what well, we need to open this up because there's some other shit coming and we're gonna need all the reinforcements we possibly can have. I'm, I'm not saying that's what it is. Yeah, I don't but know if it's that, but could I, that it, be? It could be, and I'm going back to this whole ego thing, where Doctor Strange has the ego to think, I can cast, even though Wong's telling me this is a bad idea, I can cast this spell and make it work and do what Peter wants, and he doesn't fully appreciate the consequences of his actions, and it gets away from him. Now, this is 
you know, in the comics, Doctor Strange has been far from perfect and has fucked things up on more than one occasion. And this is kind yeah. of them following along in that where I think he's probably like thinking I can cast this spell. I can do exactly what Peter says. And, you know, of course, Peter's talking to him as he's casting this spell. And I'm sure Doctor Strange will blame Peter for part of the creation of this fucked up multiverse. But that's kind of what I, where I think it's going to go is it's not so much, Chris, that they know that something's coming because I think we're still kind of early for that. Of course, we don't know because who knows what's going to happen in Shang-Chi and Eternals. But um, I think that <laughs> what Doctor Strange does is going to usher in the injection into yeah. this whole thing of the next big bad somehow, some way. And of course, we all know it's going to be, Ray. Who's it going to be? You know it's going to be, right? Mephisto! Thank you. That's no, right. No. Um, to your point about uh, Doctor Strange knowing some shit, I don't think that's the case here because Marvel doesn't tease something without without actually teasing it. So in, in in Infinity War, he goes in that he goes in his sleep and looks at all the stuff. We didn't see that anywhere in his trailer, so I doubt he knows something we don't know. I think it's more a case of I, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm fucking Doctor Strange, right? How arrogant is Stephen Strange as a human being to be driving while figuring out his next person? Right. Or to be in the middle of one of the toughest surgeries and play like name that tune trivia like he's an arrogant dude to begin with. And to your point, Dave, it is Peter's fault because the entire time he's cutting the spell, he's like, stop talking. And it's only because of the talking that causes the spell to go awry. So it is Peter's fault. Now, to be fair, you don't let a 16 year old tell you what you should be doing. Nonetheless, uh, I feel for the kid because he didn't realize that's what I was alluding to. This seems to be adapted from the One More Day storyline that they had in the comics. And I know we mentioned Mephisto, and it may not be Mephisto, that we've been teasing Mephisto for, for like 17 years. But um, in, in One More Day, Aunt May is dying. Peter goes to everybody to try to figure out a way to get her not to die. He goes to Dr. Strange, Dr. Strange turns him down. He goes here, goes there, finally makes a deal with the literal devil in Mephisto to save M.A.'s life. But the cost is, and uh, everybody will not know who you are anymore, but your relationship and your marriage to Mary Jane will be gone. And so the, the illusions of that feel real or feel kind of pointed in this trailer because Peter is saying, hey, well, is MJ going to remember who I am? What about Ned and, and Aunt May? They need to remember who I am. So it feels like there's something to that. And I got this question for you, Dave. I understand that we see all of the iconic spider villains. Could Doctor Strange be against him in some form or fashion in the, in the like fighting against him? Because there are some moments where you can't tell if he's friend or foe. He, he hits him out of his astral plane at one point when they're doing the trains. You don't see anybody they're fighting against, but you see Doctor Strange doing some stuff and making the trains go into a, kind of a hexagon thing. Could there be some type of issue between them in the multiverse? Sure. I mean, I don't think in the as far as like Earth six one six that whole thing, no. But who knows what who knows what variation of Doctor Strange comes through one of these portals or or whatever gets opened up when he does his spell. I mean, if you've got if you're thinking that we've opened up a spell that is going to connect the MCU to Sony's verse or whatever the hell is going on. And you got Tobey Maguire and you got uh, Alfred Molina and you got, 
Willem Dafoe coming through and and who knows who else is going to come through. And then you've got, you know, Andrew Garfield. So, yeah, if, if you're opening it up that widely, could there be a, ver- a different variation of Doctor Strange that he's got to fight? Absolutely. I, I, I don't think with this kind of a story and, you, you know, you talk one more day and absolutely they've uh, they've incorporated aspects of that storyline. But this is what the MCU does. They take aspects mm-hmm. of the storyline that you love and they put just enough in there to to breed some sort of familiarity and then they twist it a little bit and, and make it just different enough that it keeps you on your toes. And this is the beautiful thing about the MCU. So they are doing that as well. But yeah, I think I think everything's on the table right now with this creation of the multiverse. And 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 I have, you know, going back to what we talked about earlier with would they use what if to introduce mutants in the Fantastic Four? No, but they will use this movie to do it. You can bet your ass on that. I think if there's a likely place where they're going to create something where these people can come through, you're seeing it happen here. And it'll continue very much so in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Absolutely. So do we see Miles Morales and the Gwen Stacy Spider-Woman variations in this movie as well? Uh, huh. is, is Emma Stone on board on this? Has she signed on? Well, this? to be fair, we don't know technically if Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire have signed on. That's just belief. So if they got Big Al, they got Toby. Well, you think so, right? But, uh, I, but heard, I heard they're uh, both showing up on Rampage. Uh, this, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Shit, now I got to go back to Chicago again. <laughs> but but the, the point I'm making is... Well, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Tony. I'm sorry. The point I'm making is, while we believe Toby and Andrew Rivera, and I think it's almost but guaranteed, M- Gwen, Gwen Stacy exists. Emma Stone is a part of the universe. So maybe a case... We don't know who Miles Morales is, but would I be shocked if Miles Morales ends up becoming Spider-Man by the end of the movie? No, because we know he exists. Jesse right? T. Usher. Too old. Really? But he looks well, young. Be- yeah, but no, he's when I say he's too old, what I mean is Peter well, is 16 in the in, in the MCU, right? Okay. And um uh Donald Glover was was uh Prowler, Aaron, whatever his name is, yeah. who said my little cousin. My little nephew, or whatever it is. So yeah. we're—he's supposed to be younger than Peter. Jesse Usher, so, like thirty. Yeah. You can't play it off that well. Like Shamik Moore would work, but he's also—I uh, think him and Tom Holland are similar in age. The the kid from uh, Stranger Things, Caleb, whatever his name is. Oh yes, give me Lucas. Yeah, give me him. Yeah. Absolutely, because he's legit. What eighteen? Yeah, that would that would work. Maybe maybe eighteen. Yeah, Tony. Uh, you got any thoughts on this thing going on? I mean, you're you're interject- interjecting your Spider-Man toys on camera, but yeah, how, how come I'm not sitting at the dinner table with you guys? Anyway, go ahead, Tony. We can make that. Oh, I, here, do you, is that what you guys see still? Yeah, I changed. It. Dave, I see three guys. Anyway, Tony, why is Dave not here? What are you doing? Turn your turn Dave. your camera off, Dave, and turn it back on. <laughs> All right, let me do that. Ah. Uh, but anyway, Tony, what are your thoughts on uh, on all this stuff? Not there. No. Where are you? are supposed to be sitting next to Ray on the other end. Um, oh, well. I, oh, there I am. There hey, he is. Oh, right. look at He's like the, the, the hey. Danny DeVito showed up. I was about to say, why couldn't you give him a, a seat where he could, you know, be Z? Why he got the kitty seat, man? What's wrong? Well, it's wherever your camera starts. What do you want me to do? 
I'm just going to sit back here. Go ahead, Tony. Your thoughts on uh, No Way Home. Ray's hiding under the table. <laughs> hey, Dave, hey, pass me the bread, please, and thank you. Pass me the bread. Cheers, Platt. Hey. I don't know. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good movie. I mean, what, when's, what's the release date here? December, December. right? Well, if every it depends on what Shang Chi and Eternals do, but yeah, uh, look at that, December. look at that segue for, that you guys just did. Look at that but, segue. But here, I'll just I'll just throw this out there. I hope because I didn't go see Free Guy, and I'll tell you why because I couldn't watch it in 3D. I hope, hope this movie's out in 3D. That'd be a damn acid trip if it's in 3D. <laughs> Have any Doctor Strange movie with that shit is like I well, feel bad for somebody with who saw Spider Man going through the city too. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, the fucking the mirror dimension and shit that Doctor Strange does is like. Phew. Oh, and um, is Matt Murdock in here? Because you know, there's there's a part where there's some legal issues. It looks like they might have a lawyer. I, I I saw that online as well. That people were saying, yeah, when Peter was getting questioned, that they they didn't show the guy's face, and it could possibly be Matt Murdock, aka Daredevil. We don't know. That's the great thing about this, man. Is, like this is No, you're right. Go ahead, Dave. No, no. I was just gonna ju- I was gonna agree with you. Like like you're saying, we don't know. Everything this this is the one movie that's coming out where it's almost whiteboard material right now. Everything is on the table. Nothing is really off limits on this thing. I mean, Jesus, you mess with the multiverse bad enough, you could bring Thanos back and whole shit, you know, that that would be a real problem at this point. You know there's a rumor Thanos is in Eternals because Thanos is the son of a celestial, isn't he? Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think yeah. this movie creates a lot of uh, opportunities to really expand everything. I, I don't think anything's off the table. But you guys mentioned it, which brings us to our next topic. Um, we now know that, or at least it seems, I don't know if it was confirmed, Ray, or not. You can fact check me on this, that Venom has been pushed into January of 2022. Um, now Ray had shared an article from variety talking about a lot of things that are on the, on the cusp of being delayed. Um, you know, Venom got moved into Morbius's slot or something like that. Now there's rumors that Eternals could get delayed as well, depending on the numbers for Shang-Chi and how that Mm -hmm. works. And the question I posted in the, in the chat to you guys is how much pressure is Shang-Chi, not just Shang-Chi to deliver, but almost pressure on us as fans to whether you're scared of the Delta variant or not, whether you're vaccinated or not, do you guys feel pressure to go to the theaters and support this movie, even though you're going to watch it no matter what, but do you, do you feel like there's, there's pressure building to go out there and have this hit a big black widow esque box office number so that Disney is like, okay, we're still okay. People aren't shying away from the movies because obviously the numbers from Suicide Squad have got Disney, ironically enough, running a little bit scared right now, which makes no sense to me because it's like, well, look at what Black Widow did. But of course, the uh, the dynamics of the world have changed since then. Um, but do you think Shang-Chi's under a, a, nor- a lot more pressure to deliver at the box off? Because we know that's not going to premier access. So it's all box office or nothing. Um, what do you guys think about that? And, and and knowing this knowledge, does that as as fans like you guys are, does that motivate you to go to the movies more than you might otherwise 
feel comfortable doing right now? Okay, I'll jump in first. Uh, yes. The answer is yes altogether because, unfortunately, we, we've lived in the world until now where movie, studio, movie studios have said, oh, well, the black person can't be the lead of a movie that's going to go domestically. It's not going to make money. A woman can't be the lead of this movie, and it's not going to make money. It's, not gonna, it's, on, it's, it's only going to work domestically. Asian people can't be the lead, right? And we've seen with uh, Black Panther, which is one of the highest grossing movies in Marvel history, uh, Captain Marvel, one of the highest grossing movies in Marvel history, in movie history in general too, and Crazy Rich Asians, which did crazy numbers, right? That they're wrong, but we're still in a world where money talks. And so Shang-Chi is in such a shitty situation. I feel for Simu Liu because this is an unknown property. Um, This is a property where you would expect it to do big in China, but there are some things that may not allow it to do big in China. And on top of that, Delta. So I understand why they're waiting to see what happens with Shang-Chi, or Shang-Chi, I'm sorry, for Eternals, because they might just do a premiere release, which they should have done with Shang-Chi as well. But I get it. But yes, I'm concerned. I'm massively concerned because you don't know if Marvel's going to be like, oh, well, you know, Think about what happened with Brie Larson. Brie Larson went from being the star for, of, of, of the biggest, high, highest grossing female movie to her next movie is an ensemble. And that's partially because of things that got nothing to do with the box office. If her box office would have been bad, you'd think there would have been a Wonder Woman 2 if Wonder Woman 1 wouldn't have made a billion dollars. And unfortunately, that's just the way the world is. So I don't want them to just ignore Shang-Chi because of that. You know, Ray, it's funny because I never understood that logic when they said, oh, you can't get a black person to, you know, open a movie and this and that. Because when you get outside of North America, the vast majority of the world is black, brown and yellow. So that never made any sense to me in in regards to trying to push a movie worldwide. And number one, I don't think Shang-Chi was ever for us. I think they I think this was Disney's attempt to kind of dive into the Asian market. Because you put an Asian dude on your movie poster, they're going to go see it. They're going to go support it. I mean, this was pre-COVID, obviously. But that that's thats what they were trying to do. They were trying to expand the universe. Um, I don't think there's a lot of pressure on this movie. I think this movie, and I talked about this a few weeks ago on, on these very airwaves, I think that this is a litmus test. They're trying to figure out what the hell they can do. They're going to throw a lot of shit against the wall and see what sticks. So I feel like this movie is a litmus test to that. I feel like all the movies that have come out recently, they're litmus tests. And they're trying to figure out, okay, what's going to happen? What can we do? How can we market? How can we make money off of this? So, you know, I believe that they know they're going to take an L on this movie. They're going to take an L. But they're going to get market research. So then in the next phase... They'll figure out exactly and tweak it exactly how they need to tweak it and figure out exactly what they need to figure out to make sure that they monopolize these movies or not monopolize, but capitalize on these movies as best that they possibly can in this new world. Like everybody's trying to figure out this new world. So this is a like a sacrificial lamb. That's how I feel about this movie. It's a sacrificial lamb. And they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. And everybody's laughing at me right now. So I must sound like an idiot. Or is it the no. mermaids? Because we're all mermaids we're now. Mermaids, yeah. Tony changing the yes. damn yes. every five seconds. Yes. It's no, not I, we're not laughing at what you're yeah. saying. Because what you're saying makes 
a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Tony, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, Shang-Chi, is it, is it, is it in a, is it like, like Chris is kind of saying that we know Marvel knows Disney knows this thing's going to be a, a failure. Um, do you agree with that? Or, or, or what are your thoughts on this? I mean, failure as far as what economically at the theaters, is that the problem they're going for? I mean, cause I think the movie looks great. Um, critically it's getting I don't really know. good it, reviews. It, it's kind of like a microcosm of the world right now. You either just got to suck it up and keep marching on or, you know, if you delay inevitably, no one's happy with that either. So it's just hard times. I, I, I don't really know. There's there's no win-win situation for everybody involved. I can tell you that. Um, that wasn't me. That was Chris. Uh, yeah, take that. Trying to uh, fuck you. That, okay, now I'm about to talk over you. Because, I mean... Everybody knows Spider-Man is the main event. Spider-Man is the icon. Spider-Man is the top guy. So we're going to use these ancillary movies leading up to Spider-Man to figure out the best way to profit off of Spider-Man. I don't yeah. think it's that simple. I think that plays part in it, but I don't think it's just that cut and dry. Because, number one, from a, from a creative standpoint, both of these movies are massively important to the future of the MCU. Number one. From a creative standpoint. Number two, when you're thinking about Shang-Chi, it's important demographically. You're thinking of Eternals, it's important to expand a cosmic, the cosmic universe, which is what the majority of Phase 4 and Phase 5 are going to be. So there were other things that I think matter for these movies. And yes, you're right. The main event is Spider-Man. But if there was no COVID, so look at it like that. If there was no COVID and Shang-Chi came out whenever it's supposed to come out, what were the numbers it was going to do? I think it it would have... If there was no COVID, this would have been Guardians of the Galaxy, something that they didn't expect a lot from, but it caught on commercially and cinematically. You know what I mean? But you keep saying they're not expecting a lot from, and I disagree. I don't, I'm not saying that they're expecting this to be the new Iron Man, right? I'm not saying that. They're expecting this to be the new Thor. But they have clear expectations for this because, for number one, this is their first foray into a, a world, and I'm not just speaking Asian-wise, but Kung Fu, which has never been seen in the MCU. You know kung fu movies make bank in every aspect, whether it's uh, foreign or not. And number two, if we're speaking domestically, eh, it may be. But internationally, this movie's going to do Black Panther numbers. We we literally say the same thing, just different. I don't feel like we are, well, but maybe we are. If I, co- we are. If we COVID are. wasn't a factor, the Chinese market would drive numbers really, really, really high on this thing. Because I... Yeah, because I literally said that. I mean, you put an Asian man on the poster in the Asian market, they're going to go hamburgers. They're going to go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over that. And they're going to make a lot of money internationally off of this movie. Like, yeah, I, yeah, we say the same thing. Just well, different. I, I would say this. I think Shang-Chi is going to do surprisingly good numbers. I, I really don't see. Yeah, Delta's a problem, but, you know, it's not like. You don't see the NFL isn't making plans to shut down. Pro wrestling's not making plans to shut down. Nobody's reducing capacity. Everybody's just like, you know, go and wear a mask and you're fine. You know, even if you're not, but that's okay. So I don't, I don't see this being Tony with all these great scene changes. Um, I don't see this being kind of like something where it's going to do abysmally well. I think it does much better than Suicide Squad did. 
I mean, and of course, you know, that that a big factor. And I think the factor that this is not on premier access is going to almost force people to go and say, well, got to go to the movies and see it. I, you know, this will be safe enough for a couple hours. So I think it's going to do better than people expect. I disagree wholeheartedly for this one reason. You brought up pro wrestling and and, and sports, oh, NFL in particular. Oh, 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 Tommy, that's where I was going to go. But go ahead, man. I apologize, please. I, I shouldn't have cut you off. I apologize. No, what? but what's Otami? I don't know what that means. I'm not talking about internationally. I'm talking strictly domestic. Sure. Otami is the best thing to happen in baseball since they stopped letting them use steroids. Oh, show hey, Otami. People, got, got yes. You. And people know, got a problem with him because he's Asian. So you think that a domestic market is going to come out in drones in the middle of a, a panorama to go see a movie with an Asian lead? I, well, I, I don't know. That's not even where I'm going. But I mean, they're, sure, I don't fully agree with that. But there is there is definitely some of that. What I mean is pro wrestling and sports live are an event that can't be duplicated. You can't duplicate the event that pro wrestling is or the NFL is or the NBA is from home. Can you watch it and enjoy it? Yes, but there's it's not the same as being there. It's literally, unless you're talking about a 3D movie like Tony was talking about with Free Guy, there is no difference between watching at home and watching in a theater. It's cheaper. Most people have a big screen TV, which will give them something very rep, uh, very comfortable, comfortably replicate. You you can have whatever you want to eat at home, whereas you guys spend all the extra money on food. The the so, which is why them not making this premiere access is the dumbest decision they've made since not paying Scarlett, because it doesn't make any sense to me. Because, like me, I'm a guy who went to the theater all the time. I have no intention of going. Why would I go to the theater now when I can do what I want at home? It doesn't make any sense. Which is why I think this is a litmus test movie, and they're trying to figure this out. And figure out the algorithm and how they can make as much money as they possibly can going forward. So they're using this as a test to see, okay, we tried it this way. It worked all right. Let's try it this way now and let's see what happens. And then by the time we get to the main eventers, we know exactly what we're doing and what we need to do. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. (laughs) No, it does. I was was not sure what Tony was doing. But if... If this movie crashes and burns because of uh, Disney's decision not to do premier access, do you guys think that they will change course for Eternals and put Eternals out on premier access instead of just in the movies? What do you guys think if you're done fucking around with each other on screen? (laughs) I, I think that's the point of this. And yes, if this doesn't work, they will change course for Eternals. Yes. That's literally what I've been saying this whole time. Either, that, Maybe not well. either they change course or they delay it. You just know? put your premier access, man. It's just stupid. Just and, put everything premier access here's, into here's the world. Here's the problem, open. though. If yeah, Eternals gets delayed, delay do they delay Spider-Man as well? Do they push that into 2022? Which is why they're not going to delay it. I don't think they're going to delay say, it. They're going to say, we're going to take the loss on, on Shang-Chi and Eternals and make it back yes. on Spider-Man. They might. Yeah. Well, they can't do that with Eternals. You see how many you see how many big money motherfuckers in Eternals? Like Touché. they they got to make some money to pay that shit back. Touche. But that's what they're doing though. They're again throwing a bunch of shit against the wall and see what sticks and trying to figure it out. Just premier access Disney. You have it. You have the bandwidth. You have the 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 infrastructure. Charge me fifty dollars. 
everybody will pay fifty dollars for fucking Ray. Let me ask Spider-Man. do you think do you think the ScarJo lawsuit influenced them to not release it on Premier Access, or were they always going to do it this way? I'm not even sure. They, yeah, Shang Chi. I think they waited too long because they thought the world was going to be fine because the world got better, right? right? The world got better for a minute, right? And then Delta just kind of sped up out of nowhere, so they had already built it, and you can't go last minute and say, "No, nah, we're going back," because they've already done all the marketing, all the pushes. So yeah, but that's what it was. The world got better. I mean, even I I went to wrestling shows. I don't leave my house. Not in Delta, but I went because I felt comfortable enough because the world was better. And then, of course, you know, the world won't get no better, no better. We're in the fall of Rome, gentlemen. I'm not going to go there, but we're literally living in the fall of Rome. But that's neither here nor there. Dave, please continue. I'm going to mute myself now. No, because I think at this point we're going to take our second commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk just a couple little news items that I wanted to touch base on. But you are listening to Bandwagon Urge, which is a part of the Chairshot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. Why should you visit thechairshot.com? Thechairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. Thechairshot.com. Always Use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. You know, y'all sure as hell use me and my ladies' uh, likenesses and voices a lot on these airwaves, and we're not monetized. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Exactly. Hey, exactly. Be careful. Be careful before you get replaced by a robotic vagina. <laughs> that's right christopher platt you can easily be replaced on this show so hey man my lady in the other room ain't nothing like the real thing baby indeed <laughs> I like i said at the beginning of the, all the time <laughs> like i said at the beginning of this episode a lot to unpack you know that's that's the uh theme of this week so couple of news bitey items that i wanted to touch bases with you guys on the first is something else that the reverend shared in the chat this week that apparently they are going to name the matrix for resurrections and i would rather them have named it giant erections than resurrections because (laughs) that would have been a better title and would have meant something more to me than this nonsense because here's my problem with this before i turn it to you guys the matrix trilogy was so heavily grounded in religious symbology and just the whole story. I mean, people complain about Man of Steel being too religiously oriented. Nothing screams the story of Christ more than the Matrix trilogy does. And now we're going to bring a fourth one out where last we saw he was taken off the cross and taken away, basically. And now we're going to get Resurrections. Why, guys? Why are we going in this direction with with this? I, I mean, can't they think of something else? Why are we making this the title? And and has your interest for this gone completely down the shitter like mine has? What else could you possibly name it, though, Dave? Giant, Considering giant how erections, yes. I, I, I would have loved Giant Erections. I don't know how that's going to go over it with a family crowd, but... What else could you possibly name it? I mean, I, the melon farmer literally sacrificed himself to end the war between the machines and the humans, and he's dead. And now he's I coming got, back. I got an answer. You ready? 
The Matrix 4. Never mind. We ain't gonna do the shit. <laughs> Pop. <laughs> the Matrix 4. I think I, I this was jamming the sand for too. The Matrix 4. The quest for more money, that is. Quest for peace. Oh no, that was Superman 4. We don't want to <laughs> oh, go back. God, let's, we don't want to go that, back that never, there. Never happened, Dave. Never happened. PC Tony, you got any thoughts on on I I'll be honest with you, I've never seen any of the Matrix movies all the way through. What? Same. Not a, what? Not a fan. Seriously? Not a fan. I, really? I I don't like sci-fi. I mean, hey, listen, I, I already know Kung Fu. I'm good. Kung I've seen enough seriously? to talk about it because I understand cinematically how important it is to the genre. Yeah. But Here, uh, My favorite Keanu movie, Keanu Reeves movie is Sweet November with Shirley Theron. I don't think he's that good. Just say, just say you have a vagina and go, which there's nothing wrong with that, yeah. Sonny. But <laughs> I, I did it. I was about, about, about to say, and if he does, I literally said there's nothing wrong with that. Look, but just ma- say the Matrix. Truth. The Matrix. The first Matrix is <laughs> such an epic movie that there yes. are count how many countless people around the world actually believe we are living in a simulation. Because of the Matrix. I mean, there are a lot of people who buy into this theory. It sounds ludicrous, but you can't completely discount it. But, yeah, I mean, the whole the whole thing. The first Matrix was fantastic. And yeah. really and had... And, and they didn't have... See, the thing is, to me... And, I mean, Chris, you and I can have this conversation since the uh, other two uh, nerds apparently, haven't seen... Yeah, apparently they haven't yeah, seen apparently it. Apparently, it's just going to be you and I, Dave. So, yeah, <laughs> right, let's get it. Right. It's like, yeah. But, like, the first one did not have all of the religious symbolism that second one and third did, which was all about... Which was basically neo-mirroring... Yeah, I'll say it. Mirroring Christ's story in so many ways. And so, yeah, I, I don't... I get what you're saying. What else could you possibly call it? My answer would be anything other than resurrections to just kind of get away from the whole overt. Here's exactly, here's exactly where we're going with this thing. Everything that you thought was going to happen after the third one, 20 years later is going to happen. Now Neo is going to be resurrected and there's going to be some other shit coming on. And I guess Smith will be resurrected as well. Who knows? You know, I, I mean, what did they say at the end of the last one was how long do you think this piece can possibly last? Well, Apparently, till this fourth one comes out, and here's <laughs> here's where we are. So, I don't know. Dave, how interesting was 1999, man? When you come in, when it comes to movies, so you have Fight Club, you got Office Space, you got um, being John Malkovich, you got American Beauty, and you have The Matrix, and at their core. All of them are the exact same movie. It's a dude who's disenfranchised with his life. He's stuck in middle management, making a decent living. You know, the jobs that they have are very nondescript because it doesn't really matter. But they, they feel disenfranchised. They feel disenchanted. They feel emasculated. And they solve that in a, a myriad of different ways depending on you know which movie you're referring to but they're literally the same movie so I, I i don't know man i look back at 99 man and i just find that a as a fascinating time in in cinema because all five of those movies that i just named are literally the same and they 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 found their cure or whatever the fuck you want to call it in in different ways but at their core they're, they're the same movie if that makes any sense whatsoever it does 
They 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 share a lot of similarities. They just approach it differently. Absolutely. Yes. Um, yes. So yeah, ninety nine was an interesting year. The Matrix was Matrix was one of those movies where you really had to watch it a few times to really grasp everything that was going on. Not so much the second and third. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, they, not so much the second and third. Like I I like the second. I think I like the second more than most. The third, obviously, they had no idea how to stick the landing, but. Just the cultural impact that that movie had, like that changed the action genre. I feel like for a few years, you know what I mean. Now you could you could make the argument that they just stole John Woo's whole swagger, you know what I mean? It, it brought it here to America and it caught on. But I mean that changed cinema, cinematography, action movies. It it was it was a cultural landmark, was it not? It introduced bullet time and the whole concept of, I mean, Zack Snyder, as you like to say, Chris, took that bullet time <laughs> concept and shoved it into every one of his trailers, man, with this slow motion <laughs> stuff happening all over the place. Patrick would agree with that. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. My thought is I'm, I was kind of nervous about the Matrix 4 anyway, but once you give me that title, my interest in it really dipped considerably because it's like, come on, man. You know, I, I I didn't want to see the whole the whole Passion of the Christ Matrix version played out in front of me. You know, it's like, yeah, I, I think I'm I might just have to pass on that. But knowing me, I'll watch it anyway, because, you know, I'm kind of a completist and a glutton for punishment. So um, last topic of conversation we're going to have today is Patrick shared a trailer for a brand new game. That is coming out for Marvel called uh, what is it? Midnight Suns? Is that it, Ray? The Midnight the Midnight Suns, which is actually a Marvel team. It is. It is. The game itself looks pretty badass. It's a tactical RPG, which I'm like, okay, let's let's get it. Let let's bring it on. If of course maybe by then we can one of us can get a PlayStation Five or Xbox Series X or something. I guess we could still play on our Xbox One or PS4, but um. It got me thinking, and I started looking into the Midnight Suns, and I shared an article with you guys earlier that Marvel's Midnight Suns, the theory that they are a better version of Justice League Dark than Justice League Dark is. And I know Tunney's a DC fan, so I was wondering if he agrees. The Midnight Suns are just kind of like thrown together in various incarnations and and and, and that sort of thing, and they kind of stem from a 90s storyline in Marvel comics, but you guys got any thoughts on this topic? I mean, are you kind of looking forward to this game? Um, you know, it, 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 they, they didn't do so well with the Avengers video game. Although I hear it's much better on the PS five than the earlier systems guardians of the galaxy. A lot of people are looking forward to that. Now you've got midnight suns coming out, which is kind of like, it's like, wow, that's an interesting property to use for a video game. Why wouldn't you go back and do like an Avengers tactical RPG instead of Midnight Sun. So what are you guys' thoughts on this? seems like an odd choice for a, a video game property to focus in on this team. I disagree. Um, the reason why I don't think it's odd is because Midnight Suns in name. But let's run down the list of the people that's, that are in the Midnight Suns in the trailer, shall we? Mephisto? Oh, sorry. Well, uh, Doctor Strange. Shout out to my girl from the Runaways, Nico Minoru. But again, listen to the rest of these people. And magic, of course, magic, uh, Colossus's sister, but Wolverine, Ghost Rider, Blade, Captain America, Captain Marvel, Iron Man, like it's all heavy hitters, right? With the exception of magic and Nico Minoru and newer fans of Marvel comics and whatnot know who they are. 
and they're massively important to the magic side of of, of Marvel. Uh, so from that standpoint, it's going to be fine. And they're apparently fighting. Um, Hydra came back and brought Lilith or whatever it is back. It's gonna, it's gonna, I think it's going to be fine. Three things. Number one, a Marvel RPG, how they pull that off, I'm interested to see. Two, Avengers, has this game has a good story. The problem with Avengers is that it's reward-based. And instead of making it like, uh, like um, Injustice, because the story behind the game is fine. It's just that everything is reward-based. And that makes it nope, it's not enjoyable to play because you have to do certain things to get certain rewards for the purposes of the game. Lastly, is it better or in comparison, this team to the Justice League Dark, I, I wouldn't even compare them because the people in Justice League Dark are only in the Justice League Dark. You don't ever really see um, Constantine or, or Etrigan the Demon or Boston, uh, whatever his name is, the, the living ghost, right? Or Swamp Thing. You don't see them walking around hanging out with Batman and Superman, right? They're kind of in their own world. So, yeah, I... I agree with you. I mean, I think it's it's a when you run down the list of the people in the game and you think about it, it's like, yeah, it's a couple of bit players, but it's mostly big heavy hitters, big characters. And um, yeah, an RPG based on Marvel. I mean, like Strike Force, which I play a lot, is kind of a squad based RPG, but that's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. This looks like a full on kind of we're going to try and make a Marvel based version of something Final Fantasy esque in, in this whole yeah. thing. And, and that. I agree with you, Ray. That's going to be interesting to see how they pull this off. So as far as the Justice League Dark comparisons, I mean, you're kind of, I mean, the only, the only real similarity is that they both kind of touch on the darker fringes of their respective universes, right? I mean, other than that, I don't see the similarities between the two. Do you? It, well, no, none at all. I mean, because again, Justice League Dark is literally people who aren't, I don't say good enough, but are too weird or too in their own world to be in the regular Justice League. Everybody we mentioned is in the actual Avengers, except for Magic. So it's like, now had they made a team of just people who were uh, just Magic people who you don't really see often? Maybe we got some conversation here, but that's not the case. You know, the second you put Cap in, the second you put Captain Marvel in, the Iron second Man. you put Iron Man and Wolverine in, it becomes an Avengers game. So, uh, Tony, Christopher, do you have anything to add to this? I don't know who Chris is talking to. Maybe himself or this. He was talking voices, to me, apparently. The voices in his yeah. head, perhaps. You know, uh, you guys got anything to add about this game? Do you think that this is art imitating what's to come in life, as in the movies? You think Midnight Suns are popping up somewhere? They're connected to a whole hell of a lot of uh, good guys. I mean, you could conceivably get something in the multiverse of madness, a, 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 a cameo by the Midnight Suns or some variation of them. I know there's a lot of people who are really, really, really wanting to see Ghost Rider interjected into the MCU. Um, and they want it to be Johnny Blaze, not the other variation. But I eventually, maybe, I don't think you're going to have a Midnight Suns movie. No, that's for sure. Uh, but you could see a cameo by them. Um but it's going to be down the line. I mean, until they get Blade involved and they get some of these other characters involved, you're not you're not going to see it. Ray, you got any thoughts on this? I don't see it happening. There's so much going on. And so the game comes out next year, right? 
if this were to do anything in the MCU proper, it wouldn't be till three years from now. So it wouldn't even work for the, the crossover. And Cap is Cap is gone, right? And I was it's Sam Wilson's Falcon. I I maybe maybe we can see kind of like in infinite like in uh in game how they had the A Force team up for one fight. Maybe something like that, but it wouldn't be a proper thing, no. I don't see it. We'll see the Illuminati before we see them. Yeah, you might be right about that. I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to the game. I know Patrick was excited about it, so I wanted to touch bases on it a little bit. That's uh, that's pretty much all I got to talk about here today, guys. I did have you know the whole kind of uh, sort of thing about you know how Patrick likes to ask a question. I got something for you guys here. So you know I know we talked about Delta keeping us away from things, and 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 you know as you guys know. Chris went to Chicago last weekend. I went to Las Vegas because Chris and I gave Delta the big old middle finger. And of course I came back and came back and immediately got sick for two days, but that's, you know, neither here nor there. I'm fine now, but we're going to, I'm going to play Delta roulette again this weekend. We are going to see at Dodger stadium, no less green day, Weezer fallout boy, the interrupters in Dodger stadium. Going to go see that. Going to take a chance on it is outdoors, so I guess that reduces the risk somewhat. But it got me thinking. I wanted to ask you guys, like, what's the best concert you've ever seen? And what band did you never get a chance to see or haven't seen yet that you would most like to see? And I'm going to kick it over to PC Tunney first because he's too having too much fun with our visual shit going on here. I'm saying, man. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I've seen plenty of good. I think uh, I brought this up before. Tom Petty's one. I wish I would have seen. Um, I still haven't seen the Foo Fighters, so I guess I got to make that happen. What's the best concert you've been to, though? If you can name one. Uh, uh, probably Godsmack opened it for Metallica. Godsmack played for an hour and a half, and Metallica played for two and a half hours. And then at one point, towards the end of Godsmack's um, set, Lars came out and dueled Sully on the drums which was pretty cool. And it was in the round. Where's the round? Where's that? That's in. Oh, the concert was put on in the round. So it was at the old arena, the Bradley center, but so it was like a, the stage would rotate. Oh, sweet. (laughs) In the middle. Awesome. Yeah. Mr. Platt, since uh, you're, you're engaging with Mr. Tunney too much. This is like, it's like school. The the scene is very appropriate. I'm calling out on people who are fucking around and making you uh, say stuff in class. So, Mr. Platt, best concert you've seen, and what's somebody out there you haven't seen yet or didn't get a chance to see that you would have liked to? Oh, this is tough. Best concert I've seen. Um, huh. This is tough. Um, I guess gun to my head, just, you know, thinking about this off the top of my head, it will probably be when I was in college and I saw the roots and run dmc opened up for the roots number one run dmc are just some ogs and they know how to get a crowd started and the roots again they're a band you know so there's nothing like live instruments being played because the band feeds off the crowd the crowd feeds off the band and it's this really cool symbiotic relationship and it's just it's awesome um somebody that i would have loved to seen i mean obviously prince or michael jackson I would have loved to seen either one of those guys live. And I feel like that would have been awesome. You know, obviously that's not in the cards anymore. I did see the Cirque du Soleil, Michael Jackson thing when I was out in Vegas. That was super cool. But I mean, ain't nothing like the real thing. Baby. Uh, Ray, 
your Rev, how about you? Your best concert you've seen in a... Who have you not seen or didn't get a chance to see that you would have liked to? First off, shout out to Weezer. Shout out to Green Day. It's gonna oh, that's going to be a that's going to be an absolutely fantastic concert. And we know how Dave feels about Green Day. So I know he's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs right now. What's with these homies? This is my girl. Yeah, shout out to Weezer. I both of them. But I'm, I'm a Weezer nerd. I love them. Best. I've been to very, been to very many concerts. So the best concert I've ever been to is probably John Legend. And when I tell you, you appreciate like musicianship, that motherfucker had a concert. Um, fantastic. Um, you guys have mentioned all, I'd love to see the Foos. I'd love to see Prince or Michael Jackson in their day. Um, if I may take it further back, the two biggest musical inspirations in my life are Ray Charles and Jimi Hendrix. If I could ever see them, I've lived. There's nothing else I need to do. So, but granted, <laughs> I would have had to see them a long time ago. Before you were born, absolutely, man. So, Maybe not so much Ray, not so much not Ray. So much Ray. I mean, he wasn't—he wasn't the same Ray, but you yeah, know, Jimmy I mean. for sure. But uh, yeah, time travel, baby. Um, see, the best concert I've been to was uh, is actually Green Day at the Rose Bowl because you take you know, you know my favorite band and you put them into one of the most iconic stadiums that there is. And I've been to the Rose Bowl probably like five, six, seven times now. Um, and it is, you know, everything that you hear about the Rose Bowl, it is that and then more, you know, and I've been there for the Super Bowl. I've been there for UCLA games and I got to see Green Day there. Um, funny thing is, I've never been in Dodger Stadium. I've lived in California since 92, never been to a Dodger game. This will be my first time ever in Dodger Stadium. So I think this this one might end up being my new favorite concert. We'll see bands that I would have liked to see. I would have loved to have seen the Beatles. I mean, I would have loved to have seen the Beatles or Led Zeppelin. You know, that would have been another one that I would have loved to have seen or even Queen. Never got a chance to see Queen. You know, and I know we all talk about that. Um, but yeah, great, great topic of conversation, guys. It's something I wanted to throw out there. That, my friends, is going to do it for the 94th episode of Bandwagon Nerds as we now get into. We are down to the last five before 100, fellas. I, I mean, it's shocking. I, I hope we get Patrick back for 100. Chris has got something. Can I, can I be on for a hundred? Absolutely. We will throw up the plat signal, and you know you'll either fifty percent chance that you'll be there. So you know <laughs> it's just kind of the way it goes. Um, I'm, I'm like the the Captain Marvel of the bandwagon nerds yeah. universe. You know, <laughs> every few months, you absentee dad that you are, you show up and if, slap the kids around you, a little bit with, say, with, with you, a new haircut. Yeah. If you call her, she shows up. You just can't wait for her to pop up. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, y'all got my beeper number. That's right, and I know how to. I know how to signal you. So, Michael Keaton and, and Christopher Platt, two birds of the same feather. So there you go. Before I let you guys <laughs> out of here, uh, please let's go once around the table. Let people know where can they check you out on the Twitterverse and everything else that you got going on on the Chairshot.com. Let's kick it over to Mister Chairshot first, who's switched to hard alcohol now. So that's got to be getting good for him. Mr. PC Tunney, where can people check you out? Well, you can f find me in St. Louis rolling on dubs, smoking on dubs, mean mugs and shoulder shrugs, and it's all because. Um, no, head on over to uh, uh, chairshot.com. Always use your head. Chairshot Radio Network. Just tons of great content there, sports entertainment and sports entertainment. You can find me at PC Tunney, Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. Mr. Platt, the absentee father that you are, where can people check you out on the Twitterverse and everything oh. else you got going on? 
Wow. 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 Chris doesn't even have kids, folks. Chris doesn't even have kids. There's some crazy allegations. Uh, Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I was about to add the not that you know of part. That's important. Yeah, that's very important. Uh, Yeah, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still dreading that knock someday. Of some 15, 16-year-old, like, hey, dad. Daddy. Hey, <laughs> guy or girl. Chris, Chris, <laughs> like, Chris be like, well, you're tall and you look athletic. This might work out. Uh, uh, you do have my nose. Chris, is like, Chris <laughs> is like, when was I with an Asian woman? I don't even remember that. So. <laughs> Y'all me come to the door like, <laughs> well. <laughs> All jokes aside, y'all can find me on Twitter at the Real C Platt. Always a pleasure to be here chopping it up with the family and my fellow nerds, man. Thank y'all for having me. I hope I didn't embarrass y'all too much. You or my uh, hypothetical Asian kid out there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the, uh, Seoul, Seoul, Korea, right? That's right. You were there for the Olympics in '88 or something. So yeah, exactly. Soul uh, man too. Ray. <laughs> Rev, where can people check you out? I mean, what kind of skeletons are in your closet that are going to come walking up to your door one day? <laughs> Throw away the key, buddy. Um, well, you know, uh, every third Saturday of the third month of the third year, you can find me from 2 o'clock in the morning to 2.02 in the morning at It's Me DPP. <laughs> but every now and then, you can find me at It's Ray Cash, R-A-Y as a Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. Maybe I'll answer We'll see. It's like that that scene in in the Battle of Five Armies or, or no Desolation of Smog. You can only open this dwarven door at this exact moment, at this exact time when the light is shining at this exact angle. And if you do that perfectly, Ray Cash will morph into DPP, and it, that's a beautiful sight to behold. I'll ring the damn bell for you too. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> Uh, as far as me, you can check me out on Twitter at Attitude Ag, that is at Attitude A-G-G, Facebook.com slash Attitude of Regression. And of course, make sure you're checking out Bandwagon Nerds on Twitter at Bandwagon Nerds. These episodes drop every Monday at about 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Also, make sure you're checking out Ray and I are doing yeoman's work, hero's work, reviewing what if for the chairshot.com. Make sure you're checking that out. But that's going to do it for episode number 94. I don't know what you guys are going to do this weekend. Either you're going to get out and you're going to go see Shang-Chi or you're not. But whatever you do, have a safe week. We'll see you next week. I think we might get the return of Mr. O'Dowd next week, but we'll see. Until then, you've been listening to another episode of Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com.
Kung Fu. Show me.